0: can be so detrimental to our health to you know to think okay i have to today i have this laundry list of things to get done and i need to knock everything out and it's like just i also talk as a coach about the language that we use like knock it out attack my list you know all these words that just create this feeling that it's you're not in alignment with the work that you're doing
1: Welcome to get carried away. And today I'm getting carried away with productivity specialist, productivity, just the maven. She is the founder of The Conscious Entrepreneur, which is also two words I struggle to spell, but the founder of the productivity
0: space, Gail Burrell, welcome Gail. Thank you, Carrie. Thanks for inviting me. This is my second time on your podcast. So I feel very honored to be here today. Yes, I
1: had to bring you back because your knowledge and expertise, I I love to gush about. Um, And you are someone I like to consider a serial entrepreneur. Um, You've had multiple, uh, worked in multiple industries and entrepreneurship, multiple coaching programs. Um, So to me, you have a wealth of knowledge that I know our audience uh, will benefit from. Um, Now, we're going to be talking about productivity and accountability, especially for entrepreneurs, groups, teams, communities, all of it. Um, I did a little research because I, one of the things I've realized, and I'm sure you have in the last few years, the word productivity is such a buzzword. You know, it's, it's always like thrown around like organic. Um, so I went to Instagram and I checked the hashtag I put hashtag productivity and it's been used 3.4 million times in posts. Uh Um, the other word productive, that one had been used 1.3 million times. Um, and I, I realize everybody is kind of talking about being productive, productivity habits, all of the things, accountability. Why
0: do you think the word productivity is such a buzzy word these days? That is such a great question. I think it, it has been a buzzword for quite maybe five years or so, but it really picked up steam during the lockdown. Yeah. because so many people's lives were changed and their environments were changed, their situations were changed. And yet they still had to get work done. And so they went through this massive um, reframing of how they work, where they work. And companies, obviously, if they work for a company, they're looking at how productive their employees are. And there are tons of statistics online that all contradict each other around sure. whether people were more productive or less productive. But that just became one of the KPIs that some companies could look at. But for us entrepreneurs, it's been an issue for us forever. You know, it's something that we have to individually look at. Am I being productive today? So, it has always been a thing for us but when um, it became more of a a global thing a lot of people jumped into this space to share tips and tools and ideas and things that were always existed but people just it just wasn't the uh, focus and then suddenly it became the focus absolutely and i think also what happened for me, you
1: know, we work for home, but now I was working home with other people. Yeah. Like now everybody's working from home. So my productivity slowed immensely as a result that I had to be managing other people's productivity exactly. <laughs> so that influenced that. Um, and I've just, I don't know if you saw, I think it's either Google or Tesla that now is making everyone back to the office. No yeah. one can work from home anymore because Tesla. they spent so much money on these grand buildings and everything. But then other companies like Facebook in Seattle are like, no, you guys can stay home. Yeah. Like it's so you're right about there's such different opinions and research shows different things and it's so contradictory. Um it gets very overwhelming, I guess. Um now as uh, speaking specifically to entrepreneurs, you know, especially someone who's you know, the entrepreneur that pivoted, because a lot of pivoting also happened during the pandemic, you know, I've got to now figure out how to put my business online and, or I was in person, but now what do I do, including myself and the bra network? Um, What would you recommend? Or what do you think, you know, people struggle with when they're making that transition from like, corporate to entrepreneurship, or, um, I was a teacher and now I'm, I I worked in a community and now I'm working at home, you know, who, what are they, what, what, what kind of like, what do they need to help make themselves
0: productive at home? Because a lot can distract you. Absolutely. I think the number one thing that happens is you go from being in an, in an environment where you are accountable to maybe one particular person, And then a whole team of people that you work on projects with and that you, you know, collaborate with. But there is one particular person or a a small group of people that are your manager or your overseer that or if you're the CEO that are your board. You know, there's always somebody that you are ultimately accountable for. But when you become an entrepreneur, the only person you are totally 100 percent accountable to is yourself. And we, when we work in an organization, we learn to you know, manage our own time and to get things done, but we always have in the back of our mind, there are these people that have their eyes on me, that are expecting things from me, and my income, my, my bonus, my raise really depends on their perception of the work that I do where when you're an entrepreneur, it, nobody's watching you. So when you're at home, and the, the kitchen beckons, you know, it's like right there, calling right? <laughs> your name, uh, no one is seeing you get up 20 times to go to the kitchen or to go outside or to play with a dog or whatever. And so that's right. really the number one thing that changes that we become more accountable to ourselves. And that is a big uh, uh, transition and process that for some people is really, really challenging. For others, not so much. And it depends on the situation they were in, but also their own natural you know, uh, unique tendencies towards the way they work. Absolutely. I know um, for myself,
1: I work better um, in a group setting. And it, I don't necessarily need to be working with somebody. It's kind of like parallel, like just... Right being right next to each other, you work on what you're doing. And and I remember doing that in high school, you know, studying next to each other, but not actually studying the same thing. Yeah. Um, and I tried to do that as much as possible. But like you said, when the pandemic happened, um, we were all now forced to have this space now online. And you found a brilliant idea of like, well, let me show you how to do it online. So Tell me why you think now, even though we're all coming back, people are wanting to stay home um, and they, we need these kind of virtual spaces for co-working. You know, why do you think we still want that?
0: Well, I think, I think we still want that because we need it. You know, I think we need it and we recognize that we need it, whether we work at home or when, whether we work in an office, some, and particularly some of us really need it because we are easily distractible. Mm -hmm. And uh, with we're we're living in a time, I sometimes I call it the age of distraction, because there are so many possibilities of things that can distract you. And for one, you know, the biggest shift in the way we work is this. Yeah, our mobile phone. phone that it's it's this smartphone that is right there with the world the world, we have access to the world right here in this little thing. And so it's so easy, particularly for somebody who is interested in things curious, which is myself describing my reason why I am so addicted to my phone, I'm curious, and I'll get an idea, I'll be working on something. And I'll think, Oh, I wonder, I wonder about la la la. And I'll, I'll just start and I go down a rabbit hole of distraction. It's not wasteful. I'm not, you know, online gambling. I'm not right. feeding into a habit, but, um, a destructive habit, but it, it turns my curiosity turns into a destructive habit when it takes me off course.
1: Wow. That's a, a interesting way of saying curiosity, you know, as, as what type of habit that is, and as opposed to a
0: destructive habit, what would be an example of a destructive habit? Okay. So when we, um, when we are facing some project, let's say that um, is something that we really don't like to do. Like maybe for me, it's the accounting. I'm really not good at that. And so I struggle with wanting to put my energy and time into it. Or if it's something that um, it isn't a top priority for the people that I'm working with, but it's something that's important to me that I wanna do, but it's not urgent. Mm-hmm. So it's something I keep putting off and putting off and putting off and I'm carrying it in the back of my mind. It's sitting at the bottom of my to do list every day, sort of taunting me, reminding me you need to get this done. You need to get this done. There's so many things like that, that that cross our desks as particularly as entrepreneurs who wear, you know, 10 different hats. We have we could have 10 different lists of things to do, one for each hat. Yeah. So, yeah, so that can um just sort of take us off the the path of of focus, and oh, you know, so the- so easy too because it's they're all important.
1: That's the thing is it's like yeah, accounting's important and my marketing plan's important and product and sales are important. But it's it's I I struggle also with prioritizing where I spend my most time because obviously I want to do what's my favorite first,
0: right? You know, right, and the right.
1: thing that I hate last. Um, But sometimes I feel like the thing that, and I don't know if you've experienced this with the people you've worked
0: with, the thing you hate the most is actually the thing that's going to make you go the furthest. Always. Because sometimes it's the thing that, um, it's the thing that you, you don't actually hate it. You fear it. Yes, that's a better word. Yes. Yeah, you you hear it. it. We think we hate it. Like I say, I don't like accounting. I don't like accounting. But the truth is, I ran a $20 million business a couple, you know, a couple of many years ago. Mm -hmm. And I had to review financials every day, you know, and I was good at it. And I, you know, I built that business. I made that business a profitable business. But here I am in in my own business, and I say I hate accounting. I don't like accounting. It's just just a little bit of fear that it's important, and yet it's not my forte. It's not the thing that lights me up. So I give it a bad name, and I put it to the side, and I keep putting it off. And as I put it off longer and longer, it just grows bigger and bigger. And so then it's a big nut to crack. So it's not even that I hate it so much. It's not even that I fear it. It's just a big project that overwhelms Mm -hmm. me. It becomes that it goes from where you what you think it is into actually just being so big that you just you know, it's going to take a big chunk of time. You don't feel like you have the time, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, when you have these types of projects, um, the 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 sort of the toxic things that that we do to you know get away from them is you know like i said going to the kitchen or doing just the things that we love doing because we want to avoid that you know that big project that is giving us some sort of um feeling or emotion that isn't great so yeah. we find, we find ways to avoid it and one of the biggest ones that i hear the most and the one that i struggle with the most is scrolling on my cell phone Mm -hmm. and it's a combination of avoidance and curiosity because curiosity takes me there. But once I get there, it's really about avoiding the other thing that I really should be doing. I've been there. I've been like in the middle of writing a
1: blog and I'll write a word, um, uh, you know, and it'll make me go, Oh, I wonder why I wrote the word wine tasting. I wonder if there's any wine tasting nearby. <laughs>
0: I'm and looking for events. You know it. Yeah, you're, you're booking your next trip to <laughs> Sonoma, you know?
1: Exactly, and I'm like, no, I'm supposed to be writing a blog about a winemaker who's found right. by a female entrepreneur. That's so, so true. Um, I can say, and I'm sure you can speak to this as well, is when you do get that big project, when you do complete it, the feeling that you have, I wish there was a drug that could
0: provide that. Yeah. that It's yeah. like a huge dopamine hit of like, huge. wow. Huge. Well, you know, the neuroscience says that we actually get more dopamine in the prog- in the process than we do at the very end. And I don't disagree with that, but I do know from having done the productivity space work sessions with so many people, there's a pretty big hit at the end too. Yeah, the way I describe it is giddy with joy, because that's sort of like when people at the end of the session, we ask, so how did that go for you? And for, you know, nine point nine percent of the people, they're giddy, they're excited. I can't believe I finally finished that project. I can't believe I got more tasks done than I thought I would or I that this usually takes me two hours. I usually allocate two hours to do this, and I couldn't believe when I finished it in 30 minutes, yeah. because I wasn't allowing myself to be distracted. I, mm-hmm. I realized, like I had somebody recently, an attorney, who said, I realized that I was thinking that this doing these briefs took me two hours, but I realized that it took me two hours because I was allowing myself to be curious and get distracted and go down this rabbit hole, the one that you were right. describing. So yes, it does take me two hours when I do that. But I, she didn't do it during the session. She just wrote a little note on her brain dump sheet to remember to go back and you know explore those ideas when she was done, and she finished it in thirty minutes, twenty-five minutes. Wow!
1: Yeah, that's and we're gonna get into more about the productivity space for sure and your advice and tips and how you work with teams, entrepreneurs, and communities. But one of the words um you had r- written about it and is on your website the uh, mindful productivity what what is what is that when you talk about mind being mindful mindful
0: productivity like how would you define that well i just want to go back for a minute to when we were talking about why productivity is such a buzzword so what has happened sure. in the last two years it has become a buzzword and a lot of people have varying degrees of uh, love and disdain for the idea of being productive and it's true that um for some people the idea of being productive can get really toxic yeah and so that's something that i was noticing with uh some of the people in my community that uh the idea that when they weren't being productive it turned into a trigger and it turned into heavy anxiety overwhelm Mm -hmm. Um, The distractions were just creating so like mental health issues that people were really um, having trouble dealing with. And so the idea of pushing to be productive, like this hustle, hustle, I'm not going to be successful unless I hustle, unless I grind and get this done. And I have to work all these hours to be successful. It just it, it for some people, it can turn toxic. So I wanted to figure out a way to communicate to people that th- what productivity could be, and how they could approach it, you know, in a way that is conscious, you know, yeah. and, and positive. And so that is why I use the term mindful productivity, it, and it aligns with how I coach my clients as well, which is really about self awareness, mm-hmm. and understanding and taking the time to be intentional about what you're going to do, how you're going to do it, and setting the boundaries for yourself. Because you are, you know, a lot of our clients are entrepreneurs working alone or with a family in the background, but trying to get their own thing done. And so uh, mindful productivity is really, it's, it it um, it de- we debate the idea that productivity has to be about being in the hustle and the grind, because yeah. we don't believe that it's healthy mentally or physically. And that we can be mindfully productive, get things done, be successful, and still, you know. Ha- live a healthy life. Live a healthy life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I have seen
1: um, kind of the, the the pendulum swing the other side with the hustle culture of things. You know, um, I'm a hustler. I'm hustling. You know, I got to hustle. Um, to me, hustle means like you got to go really, really fast. But it also, it seems like you're trying to swindle me out of something. So when <laughs> I first started hearing the word, I got a hustle. I was like, what are you trying to get from me? <laughs> okay, right. And I realized it's used in the in the quickness. Right. Um, um, so I, I think that's really, really important um, because you're right, boundaries, especially. And, and I feel like for me, for myself, um, and when I've worked with you in the productivity space, that creating a boundary was actually creating a habit. So I had to create like, okay, this is my structure. This is the boundary. And I actually had to visualize the boundary is you're not gonna look at your phone. You're not gonna worry about the laundry. That's the boundary. And then just that in and of itself, practicing that kind of created this habit like, okay. And I also would look at the time. Do you right. find that like a lot of people are
0: focused on time when it comes to productivity? Absolutely, absolutely. And I, I yeah. think that, that can be, it can be so detrimental to our health to, you know, to think, okay, I have to today I have this laundry list of things to get done and I need to knock everything out. And it's like just I also talk as a coach about the language that we use, like knock it out, attack my list. You know, all these words that just create this feeling that it's you're not in alignment with the work that you're doing.
1: Mm -hmm. You
0: know, it's just it's so focused on the, the outcome and not the process and the planning. And so, you know, I I feel like it's so important for us to just stop, take a breather and notice what habits we have when it comes to the way we work Mm -hmm. that are empowering us and supporting us. And what habits do we have that are disempowering us and creating this mental clutter that therefore manifests in us being all over the place and distracted and not moving forward not making progress so reining that in for some people is scary yeah it's it's scary and the word structure also can be you know uncomfortable for some people who like myself uh I, i it's funny because I don't think that I have structure, but when I step back and look at my life, there's structure everywhere and yeah. there has been for such a long time. And yet I think of myself as a person who can go with the flow, but I realize that's really not how I live my life anymore mm-hmm. because it wasn't working for me. Yeah. It just wasn't working for me. And I needed structure and I started creating structure in different areas of my life to sort of take the burden off of my mind. So that my mind could have a little space and a little inner peace. I thrive in structure myself too. And, and I think
1: having structure makes me better anticipate outcomes, you know? So like, okay, I've done this before because this is a habit of structure I have in place. So I can, I can, I can kind of guess like how this is going to end up when you get surprised, like, oh, wait a minute, yes. there's a pandemic. Exactly. What's happening to my structure? <laughs>
0: like, yeah. And then um, you have to start from scratch and create because your life situation changed. You have to create something new and that takes time. It took sure. us all some time. Right. But the, the truth is that, especially if you are an entrepreneur and especially if you're leaving a work environment and now working on your own as a solopreneur even with a small team i have a small team of people that i work with as i know you do as well um you still to be successful you need to embrace the idea of structure and systems because it saves you so much time yeah when you when you have something that you know you can turn to that you have a way of doing it Um, it also saves you brain power and brain power is so important when it comes to being productive, Mm -hmm. you know, having the energy to, you know, get get through your day and get your work done. And if you're always reinventing the wheel, if you don't have any structure around your deep work time versus your Zoom time versus your meeting, you know, your meeting one on one meeting time, um, it, it will take its toll you know, and we've both seen it in, in our, our friends, our peers, our coworkers, we've seen how it can take, really take its toll on Absolutely. Us. I
1: think one thing um, I had learned from you when I, we were doing the productivity space was a phrase I hadn't heard before was decision fatigue. Yeah. yeah. And when you said that, I was like, Oh, <laughs> like, and you Absolutely. had talked about how you know what you're going to wear. You know what you're going to eat for breakfast. You know where your water is and you have your tea. And you were like, You had eliminated all these decisions before, you know, you even started your work day. And that to me was a huge light bulb moment. Do you see people struggle with that
0: fatigue of having to make multiple decisions? Absolutely. And we're just so unaware of it. And I just, I discovered it by mistake. Again, literally being aware, self-aware of where I would get stuck. And so I discovered this. I started to work on this when I was just starting my career in my 20s. I lived in New York City, I was in the fashion industry. And I discovered that if I was late to work, it was because I was struggling to put together the outfit that looked good, represented who I was, but also could get me to work because I had to. I might have to take the bus or walk to work because right. the bus didn't show up, so I needed the right the shoes to walk to work, but I wanted to look good, et cetera, et cetera. And if I was late, it was literally because I, didn't have my morning act together. Hmm. And so I started making changes to make it easier for me to put together outfits and to know, have the staples in my wardrobe that like the walking shoes that would work with the outfits that I like to wear and just I narrowed down the types of things that I wore and the color, as you know, I always I've been wearing black ever since I was in my 20s, because everything in my closet goes together. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and of course I have a couple of white things and some, I like pink, but whatever, but that was where I started realizing that I had decision fatigue and that by the time I would get myself to work and I was late, I was already tired. Like Mm I already had tapped in so deep into the well of decisions. That I would make bad decisions. Like I would make a bad decision about what I would end up eating for breakfast because I was running late. So I would stop and get a, a bagel with butter. And you know, like every decision yeah. I made from that point on was not a good decision because I was already stressed and tired. So
1: mm-hmm. that's where
0: it started for me. But now it extends into other areas of my life too, where I want to create habits so that my brain can be focusing on the things that I think are important for it to focus on. Like, how am I going to, you know, support people today? How yeah. am I gonna show up for for the people that I'm I'm meeting with for my clients today? You know, what are some of the things that they might be struggling with that I can support them with? If I'm thinking about what I'm gonna have for breakfast and how, what I'm gonna wear, I, I'm not thinking about those things that are really empowering me. Wow, yeah, it's so true. And I've taken,
1: that I, I was one of the best things I learned from being working with you is that try to eliminate as many decisions as possible because it takes up space for you to think about what you need to be doing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so that was that was a huge eye-opener for me. Um, so let's talk about the productivity space. What kind of inspired um you know you you're a great coach, you you work with entrepreneurs, you work with teams, communities, groups, but what made you think I got a great idea
0: for another new business. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, again, it, it, it turned into a business during the pandemic, but this is, I, I, this is something I've been doing for quite some time uh, with friends, and that is inviting them over because I'm a solo entrepreneur, I work alone, but like you said earlier, I'm the same way. I do thrive having somebody working with me. Mm-hmm. And I learned through um, just my research that there's a term called body doubling. And um, it's, it's something that is recommended for people that are diagnosed with ADHD, but I think it's something that anybody that struggles with distraction can use. And that is the idea of having somebody right next to you doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's a thing that um, doctors often will recommend to people with ADHD. So set a time, figure out what you're going to do, like say you, uh, you have um, a project that you want to work on, or if you're a student, you have some studying you need to do. You find somebody else to sit by you and get the work done. And you were describing that that's something you've been doing for a v- really long time, mm-hmm. but it's actually a thing. Oh, Wow. Yeah, it's a thing. So I I I feel the same way that I I I don't necessarily need to work in a corporate environment, but I loved the idea that there was people sitting near me working, and I could see them working, and it it in some ways it it helped me be accountable, internally accountable to myself. So um, I've been inviting some friends over to do that with me so Mm -hmm. they'll come over to my house and we'll we'll set some goals for the day and then we do these work sprints we work for a while then we take a break then we work again then we take a break then we go out for lunch and then we come back and we work again and everybody has loved it all of my friends that that came over to do that really loved it so i only did it you know every now and then when i was feeling like i had a project i needed to work on and i wasn't getting anywhere Mm-hmm. I would create this environment to support myself, but also to help my friends. So during CoVID when Zoom, the Zoom world was created, I realized, well, let me see if we could do this on Zoom and maybe more people can join us. And so I started doing some Zoom sessions. And as you know, um, you know, I worked with you and the bra community, and we did some great. We did uh, we offered six sessions. Mm-hmm. Um, every other week and we had you know such great feedback from it that i realized that this is something that um, a lot of people could use and the virtual world gives us the opportunity to reach people everywhere so um, so that- true and, and we would have people on our
1: zoom calls one would be in austin one would be in boston one would be in San diego and it kind of opened up the idea that oh wait we can all work together and not and different time zones and everything. And it was, I think what was really beneficial um, and we had called it bramadoro because we use the Pomodoro method, which I want you to explain as well. Um, but it was kind of nice to know um, what you were gonna ask us, what are we working on? And you had given us the, I, is this a project that's been on our to-do to do list for forever? Is this a passion project? Like we identified, we gave it a name, what we were working on. Okay, this is a passion project. Or this is something that's going to push me forward, and I think that knowing that we're like, oh well, I'm I'm doing something. This is me being productive because I'm I'm doing something that's going to push me forward or get off my to-do list or something I'm passionate about. Um, and you had structures of the group so well that after we had worked in our sprint, sprints, we had to then share. And as a former teacher, I love a think-pair-share. <laughs> I love like let's get together, let's think about it, and then let's share it. Like that's my favorite thing. Cause I, I like to have, you know, full circle. Like we, what, what are we learning and how, and let's, you know, examine after we've learned it, how do we apply it? Um, now I know you don't only work with, you know the broad network, you work with entrepreneurs, communities, teams, you know, is the structure of give me an example of the structure of a productivity sprint
0: okay so yeah i think what i i came to realize and i think what is you know everybody has their secret sauce i think mine is really being able to figure out a structure and a pro i'm very good at figuring out process like what Mm -hmm. are the steps having been an interior designer um i think that that really taught me how to figure out step by step by step and to look for what what could happen from one step to the next. And so I took all this research and put it into a process. And so the way that it, like, as you mentioned, we start with what are your goals? What are you going to be working on today? What type of project is it? Because we want to create awareness. And that that reflects in my coaching, like I said as well, it's really about becoming more self-aware. Instead of just jumping, getting up in the morning, coming to your desk and just jumping right in, giving yourself five to 10 minutes to just take a a bird's eye view of what's going on. What's on my schedule today? What do I have coming up the next week? How much time do I have for deep work versus my meetings? Um, it, It just creates this sense of calm that we don't get when we just jump right in and then we're jumping from thing to thing. So that's really the first thing is really to help right. people be intentional. So by just signing up for the work sprint, you're saying, you're putting on your calendar, I'm going to work on a project on Tuesday at you know 6.30 in the evening. We have some in the evening for people that have busy, crazy days. At 6.30 in the evening, I'm going to be working on my passion project that I have not been able to work on for two years. And I'm going to be paying for it. So I'm going to show up. I'm going to make sure I show up. And since I'm paying for it, I'm going to take the time to use the worksheets that they provided for me to think about how, what I'm going to work on. And so the next step is once you've identified, you know, what that you're, you're, you're going to commit to this creating this space around the work, then I ask people to think about, well, what is going to what are you going to get out of it? Mm. and sometimes it's really just relief that i don't have to look at it anymore on my to do yes. list yes. and sometimes it's it's excitement because i have not been able to work on my passion project for 2 years and i am started and you know a wheel in motion stays in motion so sometimes it's really just about getting started and there's so, like i said that giddy feeling of i just took a step towards this dream so we, we, I get people to stop and think about those things before they work on the project because that's what really gives you the motivation and propels yeah. you to get it done. And then it's really important to think about, okay, if that's the project, what are the different steps that I need to take? So we, we walk through people through how to write a to-do list because some people will, their to-do list will be work on my passion project. Like maybe that's writing my memoir. So work on, they might say work on the outline and they'll think that's a good to do. My next step is to work on the outline, but it's so vague. What does that mean? What are are some of the steps that you need to to do before you can say, I finished the outline? And it might be, I'm not really sure what an outline looks like. So maybe I need to do some research. But if you don't put research what a a book outline should be, you're not gonna feel like you were productive. You're gonna feel like you got off track because you didn't actually write anything. But the truth is that was an important step and you were just overlooking it. And then you were feeling beating yourself up for not getting anything done. So I try to help people uh, in the productivity space really be realistic about the steps and to write those steps down and then figure out what they can accomplish while they're working, co-working in the space. Mm -hmm. And so pick two or three things that you can work on during your time together and write it down. So you go from, again, you go from the biggest picture of what's going on in my world today to, okay, I'm gonna focus in and I'm gonna do some deep work today. What project am I working on? And then you go even deeper into what are the steps that this project needs? And then you go even further into what steps can I get done in two 25-minute sprints? Right, which brings me to the Pomodoro
1: Method. Tell us a little bit about that because um, I learned about, I had heard about it briefly uh, when I first became an entrepreneur. Um, And I failed at it because all I would do would be like, what time is it, what time is it, what time is it? But it wasn't until I was having someone else keep the time that I was able to actually do it. So tell us about the Pomodoro method.
0: It's interesting you should say that because a lot of people have said, I've tried it and I didn't do that well because I was so focused on the clock. So I think having somebody else be the timekeeper is again, it's like, it's huge. less off your mind, mm-hmm. and knowing that someone is going to, you know, let you know when that time is up. But anyway, the Pomodoro method was I love this story because it was created by a guy who was in college, who was really having trouble uh, studying. And he just he couldn't get himself to study. And so he was doing some self reflection, as I re- as I recommend, and, and said to himself, if I could just work study for 10 minutes, that would be fine. If I could just get myself to do it for 10 minutes, that would be a start. I can do it for 10 minutes. Of course, I could do it for 10 minutes. So he set an alarm, he found one in in his kitchen, it happened to be a tomato alarm, you know, Mm -hmm. one of those um, kitchen uh, Kitchen timers, timers. timers. Um, And he worked for 10 minutes. And once he got himself started, he found he could go longer. And so he started to use this technique and he you know obviously he graduated from college but what he discovered through the course of experimenting with this idea that you could start you could start with five minutes and once you get into the movement the motion of it you can keep going was that 25 minutes was sort of the ideal amount of time and there's been a lot of research done and again there's always conflicting research but I tend to agree with the experience that I've had in doing 25 minute work sprints. And that is that when you know someone else is taking the time, when there's other people in the room that you can see are working, it allows you to let go of some of the anxiety of just getting into the flow. And people get into the flow pretty quickly. And so they're in the flow, you get deep into concentration, about 15, 20 minutes in, it starts to wane. And so you reached your peak of concentration, it starts to wane. You could keep going. You could push yourself. I do it all the time. I push myself to an hour, even an hour and a half. But where I'm at in the flow in like that first 15 to 20 minutes is amazing. So if you stop at 25 minutes, you just step away, give yourself a break. Give your brain a break. When you come back, you get right back into the flow again to that peak point. And we've had so many people come in and say, I was really resistant to stop because I was in the flow. It was feeling so good. Why would I want to stop? But I know that's what you you do. So I did it. And I was amazed at when I came back, I got right back into it. That's never happened to me before. Mm -hmm. And it's because you were in the flow. You kept pushing and pushing. You did it for an hour. Then you got up to go to the bathroom. When you came back, you weren't able to get back into it. You're fatigued. Your brain is fatigued. So that is the Pomodoro method is based on these 25 minute work sprints, um, a 25 minute work sprint, a five minute rest, and then another 25. And the technique goes to about an hour. So you go for about an hour, you do four sprints, and then you take a longer break.
1: Gotcha. So,
0: so it, it's the whole idea of getting quickly into the flow because you've you've eliminated a lot of the external distraction. You've set an intention to. Um, to keep yourself in your structured space, into the, in your productivity space, and you've decided what you're going to work on in advance before you just jump in. And so it's no wonder that when you're done a productivity space session, you feel giddy because- You do. It feels good. Like you- It does. You, you it really it right does. In. and I,
1: I know for the women that um, attended our Bramadoro sessions with you, they would look, they would, you know, we would do the sprint and have the break, but they would look forward to the break ending. Like, Oh, I can't wait to get back to that. I can't, or, you know, like, Oh, I finished that. What am I going to start again? Um, so there is, there is a, a element of excitement, um, that comes with it. Um, for sure. For sure. What if, um, and how do you apply that to when you're working with, you know, a team, maybe not a, not just entrepreneurs, but other, you know, work worker bees out there.
0: Yeah, when, one of the things that's come up that's been really interesting working with teams that work in a, in a company together is, it's, it's funny, but when most of the team, all, there's always going to be some people that can't show up, but when most of the team shows up, there is a sense of relief because they know that everybody on their team is doing their deep work at the same time. Mm. So they're not going to be getting, they're not going to be interrupting each other because that's the biggest complaint that people have about working in a corporate or team environment. That it's so hard to get to their deep work because there's so many things coming at them that other people need, that by the end of the day, they feel like they didn't get their work done. They, they, They were answering questions and moving other people's projects forward, but not their own. Yes. So that that there's a sense of one of the major things is a sense of relief that in this you know time block I'm actually not going to get interrupted by all these other people (laughs) because they're doing the same thing. So that was really an interesting um, side effect of bringing teams together. That that sense of relief and the ability to deep focus was so appreciated because of that relief that for Mm -hmm. this next um, you know, hour and a half, I'm not gonna get interrupted. So yeah, that's huge. It's huge, it's huge. And so it really is a very positive thing to, now some of those people uh, uh, may actually work uh, near each other physically, they may be physically near each other, but knowing that everybody has agreed that during this time, we're going to have deep focus. And that goes back actually to something that I did when I was um, the president of that, um, uh, record label years ago was, we used to have quiet hour mm. and it was from 10 to 11 o'clock in the morning where the receptionist in those days, you had a receptionist who answered all the phones and then funneled the calls. To right. People. Right. And we did, we barely had email. Email was just getting started. So it wasn't the distraction that it is now. And, um, in that, in, in that quiet hour, you weren't allowed to get up and go to the accounting department to ask them about an invoice or you weren't allowed to go to the the design department and ask them for a sample it was deep focus work and people were so resistant to it but i had heard about it i think it was at the time bill gates maybe talked about something like that where he has this quiet time and that's where i got the idea oh got it it. really yeah so it's been that's how many years i've been thinking about ways to be productive because I myself struggle from not getting my own work done because of distractions. So finding ways within a community or a work, a corporate environment that you can give your people a chance to get into that flow, that's when you're really going to get the best from people and they're not going to burn out. That's the other thing that we haven't talked about. Whether you're in a corporation or you work for yourself, it is so easy now to get burned out because your brain is just being bombarded with so much information, so much visual information, auditory information, it's just so easy for people to get burnout, to push themselves to the point. And when you're not doing your best work, you know, yeah, exactly. when you're, when you're burnout like that, it's so
1: true, you know, um, and it also that's what leads you to burnout even faster is that hustle culture, right? Hustle, 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 hustle. Um, and then you start eating like crap, you're not taking care of yourselves and you're not sleeping as well. And it's a whole domino effect. Exactly. Can you share some simple strategies for people listening that they, they, they could apply today? Like what's like your top three
0: Yeah. Or two? Okay. So I would say, um, one of the things about the productivity space is my intention, my goal for the productivity space is to not only help people in the moment be productive, But to help them form new habits Hmm. so that they can take the habits that they they repeat in the productivity space and then start doing it on their own. Like you were saying, you struggled because um, you were always watching the clock when you were doing it on your own. So once you get into the routine of the productivity space, you can incorporate that into your own life. But that for some people is going to be further down the line. So where I would start in order to have a productive day, I would always start with, as I was saying, the bird's eye view and bringing it down. And so setting aside the time every day, it could be five minutes, literally, depending on the scope of the work that you do to just take a big bird's eye view of what's on your agenda, what, how you feel, tap into how you're feeling, where your energy is, what, what needs to get done versus what you want to get done and make sure that there's a little bit of both on your list. And then I recommend highlighting um, or identifying actually is the actual word, identifying the top three things that you want to get done. And I start with this, you know, what I call the magic question, which is what is the one thing that um, I want to make progress on that I could make progress on today that would make me feel like I, you know, was productive and highlighting what is the one thing. And so if you could pick, identify that and say to yourself, which is what I do, you cannot end the day until this is done. This Mm -hmm. is so that you were talking earlier about setting your priorities, taking this time to identify your three things. And then the one thing is automatically setting your priorities. It's saying, this is the one thing that when I finish the day, I will feel like I accomplished what I wanted to do whether it was something you need or you want, it doesn't matter. It still makes you feel like you got that one thing done. It could be a big thing, it could be a small thing. It could be making a doctor's appointment or it could be finishing a pitch to somebody, but that one thing, and then the other two things, the last of the three are other important things that you wanna get done. But that's about, and again, there's research to support this, that depending on the size of those things, You know that's always flexible, but about three things is the most that you can expect to get done, but I always recommend it's like a three five so three are your top priorities for the day, the three things that you. You want to end the day having crossed off your to do list and then five other things that uh, you would like to do, but they aren't like maybe there's a follow up with somebody that isn't your top priority, but maybe two days later, it does become your top priority, because you haven't heard from them. It's on your list to get to if you have time, but it's it's only been two days. So maybe you don't have to, but it's there for safekeeping. So your top your top one, the next two, and then the five. So like I said, it's like thinking bigger picture, and then just, you know, funneling it down, funneling down. And then the third thing would be to then take those top three and just identify what is Again, what is the one task for each one of those things that you could do today? What is, you know, being intentional about your work instead of just jumping in is really going to make a huge difference in how produ- productive you feel. And then the last thing I would say is to plan your breaks. That, mm. this, this was really revolutionary for me because... Again, like I was saying, I could get distracted pretty easily. And if the kitchen beckons and I don't have a planned break, I'm just getting up and down or I'm going outside or, you know, I, I, I'm a big, I call it procrastinating. I'm a big procrasti-cleaner. <laughs> you know, if there's like, I, I just like, that is such a good way for me to, you know, work off some steam or to be distracted to avoid something that I don't wanna do. But if you plan your breaks, and you know what you wanna do during your breaks. That really, again, it's before you sit down to do your work, you're taking some of the, the things that are gonna be in the back of your mind and you're putting them aside so that you your brain can really focus and get into the flow. So if you put aside the fact that in 25 minutes, I'm going to take a break and during that break, I'm going to take a refresh break and I'm gonna you know, get some water, use the restroom, and then for the last three minutes, I'm going to step outside. Yeah. And, you know, just do some breathing, or maybe do a yoga stretch or something Oh, my back just cracked just doing that, just feeling it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, so um, it takes it off your mind. And you know that it's there, you've got that planned so that you can really hone in on your so 25 minutes is a real 25 minutes of deep focus work is real 25 minutes. It's not, you know, 10 minutes of focus work and 10 minutes, 15 minutes of your mind wandering it allows your mind to really stay focused stay focused wow this is really really
1: great advice um i love all of this gail thank you so much um before we get carried away i want to know more about how we can where can we learn more about being a
0: part of the productivity space so um check out our website which is theproductivityspace.com we're on instagram at the dot productivity dot space um and uh we have on our website, we have a schedule, we update the schedule every month. So you can see what's available for the month. And um, we sometimes do special sessions that are focused, like um, last last month or two months ago, we did one on just decluttering your office Mm -hmm. because if your office is cluttered, your mind is cluttered. So we do some special things where we, we have one coming up in the fall for creativity. So it will be for projects that are creative projects specifically. And we'll talk about creativity and, you know, you'll learn a little bit more about how to get those creative projects out of your head and and out there into the world. Um, So, yeah, so that's where you could get the most information about the productivity space.
1: That's great. That's great. And it's I think what's great is you can just look and just buy. You can just purchase one. I want to do just this one or I want to come to this one. And I think that's that's really, really clever. and I have, you know, I'm kind of biased because I really enjoy it. And I remember buying my three and I knew exactly, I got my three productivity sprints. I knew it was right before my knee surgery and I knew exactly what I wanted to get done. And it helped immensely. That's amazing. Um, it also it's kind of nice to have it on your calendar. You're right about that. You know, Bill Gates, you, you, you might know something there about putting it on your calendar. 10 yeah. to 11,
0: productivity time it is Um, there is a there's a self accountability to it that putting it on your calendar is one thing but actually paying for it and knowing that uh, other people are going to show up to be there working with you that's the the shift that i think makes the difference that helps you get done these projects that just are lingering on your to-do list and not getting done
1: yeah, I agree. It's definitely something I don't like to let other people down. So I'll sometimes show up for them before I show up for myself. Absolutely. I love that. Thank you so much, Gail. This has been whew, a wealth of knowledge and I really appreciate it. Um, and I know everyone listening is going to be like, well, okay, I got it. <laughs> but you, you break it down very you know, manageable, which I like, and bite-sized pieces, productivity and bite-sized pieces. Um, So let's get carried away. Now, you're building a business during the pandemic. um, So that was one thing that kept you busy. What else were you getting um, that gets you carried away? What's something you absolutely love? Um, A lot of people started baking. Some people were sewing, you know, uh, cooking. All of a sudden, people got dogs. You know, What was something you kept yourself busy and carried away with?
0: Well, I always have loved cooking. So that so that's not really something new, to be honest with you. Um, so the thing that I would say really shifted for me was I discovered that I have this, re- it's quirky, but I have this re- weird love for mysteries. Like Ooh. I love mystery books and I love mystery TV shows mm-hmm. and movies. And I, I always have, but I wasn't consciously aware that it's a thing for mm-hmm. me. Because during COVID, I purchased a membership to through Amazon. There's a channel called the Acorn Channel. I don't okay. know. Nobody I know has a membership except me. I'm the only person that has <laughs> ever heard of this channel. But they have so many great mystery shows. And they're, you know, there's they're not too too dark, too gory, which is which I like because I immediately start dreaming about those things. And there are so many, and there's just like one called the Broken Wood Mysteries, which is out of New Zealand. And there's one called the Madame Blanc Mysteries, which is taken, uh, uh, um, filmed in the south of France. And there's another one called Agatha Raisin, which is filmed in the Coswolds in Indian. It's like in, in England. It's the same formula with quirky, interesting characters in a different part of the world. Right. And solve mysteries like death, you know, murders, basically. Right. I just. I just really enjoy them. I really Love enjoy that. them. So well, my my Acorn subscription was my thing.
1: Was your thing? Well, it kind of makes sense because you're, you know, watching a mystery, you get your brain is working to solve a
0: problem. Exactly. And you know, exactly.
1: and you do that in the productivity space. You're solving the exactly. the productivity
0: problem. My brain um, loves my brain loves the game of within the first 10 to 15 minutes identifying who I think did it. And then seeing how it evolves. And of course, throughout the course, you're like, mm, maybe not. Maybe it was, but I'm mm-hmm. always right. Always. Yeah, I always was going right. to say, what's your, what, how right are you? I would say 99% of the time. Nice. I, I, and Very when nice. one, I don't get it. That's, that's a really good show. Like yeah. I, like, Ooh, yeah. Yeah. You yeah. know, when, when you don't get it.
1: I do love mysteries as well. I actually um, like the suspense of it. You know, I, I don't like gory things either because it'll stick, stick with me. I don't like that. I, but I like when something's clever. Yes. I'm like, oh, and you feel the twist or you find out the twist, but there is something really satisfying about figuring
0: out the twist before oh. the
1: audience does. Yeah. You're like, I knew it. Like, it's so
0: great. Yeah. It's, a, it's really a great di- distraction for me. You know, like at the end of the day, you would think that I would need something that doesn't challenge my mind to fix things but it's, it's almost like training. Yeah. You know? It's like, I love that. In my mind. Yeah.
1: I love that. Okay. And no, well, now the opposite, what's something that people get very obsessed about or get very carried away about, um, that you can't, can't stand or can't wrap your head around.
0: Okay. Well, it's very easy. Cause it's the opposite. It is breaking bad. <laughs> oh, you know, um, Ooh, I didn't uh, like breaking bad. That's the either? other one. Um, it's, um, Game of Thrones. Oh yeah. Stranger things. Like I like sci-fi, but I don't like anything that is gory or whatever. And people just are totally carried away by those shows. And I very much so. I can't do it. Just,
1: yeah, I was, my kids got really into stranger things and I, I watched one episode and I was like, this is like an escape room. (laughs) You realize why you like this. It's like, Oh, they found a little piece of this puzzle. Oh, they found this. And it's like, yeah. They're in an escape room. Yes. What I don't like about it is there's a lot of jump scares. It's very yes.
0: gory, and it's like ugh, I don't exactly. like exactly yeah. the, the, the the strategic part of it might be interesting to me, but I can't get I can't get past the gore.
1: Yeah, so. I can't either. Wow. Yeah. I'm with you on that. I love that. We should go watch a, a new mystery,
0: like Murder <laughs> She Wrote. I
1: used to love that show when I was a kid. Yeah, I loved yeah. Murder She Wrote. Me too.
0: Me too. Me too. <laughs> so, if you want, I can send you a list of my favorite mystery murder. You know, <laughs> yeah, send
1: it my way. Yeah, so absolutely.
0: That, that that subscription, I think it's six ninety nine a month, it just keeps me busy forever. So when Let's there's go. other shows that I like, it, I like I divert to the other shows. But I always know if I can't find anything to watch, go to the Acorn show. Go to the Acorn. I love it.
1: I get it. Acorn, you know, it's a little nugget. Mm -hmm. Love that. Well, thank you so much, Gail, for being here and being my guest. I know we've gained a lot of knowledge about productivity, habits, accountability. um, And if anybody wants to reach out to you, they're going to head to productivityspace.com, right? Correct. That's right. Thank you so much, Gail.
0: Thanks, Carrie.